Well, a lot has happened in the last seven days. There have been more cliffhangers and sudden deaths than Game of Thrones. And there has been more who's the goody, who's the baddie than in the latest episodes of Line of Duty. But one word summarises both of our moods right now, Joel and Kent Walker. And what would that word be? Jealous. And why is that? Would you like to remind us? Because we don't get the fun anymore. Like, we don't get the fun of the playoffs. And although the playoffs are a, are a magnificent thing, and this year, of all the years, has been so exciting, and you just don't know what is going to happen next, it can nothing can replicate your team being involved with it. And part of my preparation for recording tonight's podcast was to go back and listen to the beginning of last week's podcast. How did that go? I nearly ended up in tears. And it was about probably 30 seconds into the podcast when I stopped this exercise and didn't listen anymore, (laughs) when you, Claire, pointed out that the time of this recording was 9.34. And there was me just a week ago shouting out, 34's the Austin Matthews number! He's the one who's going to take the Leafs beyond the Bruins in Game 7 and everything's going to be magical. And my God, a week, Claire. That is all it's been since that night, we were sat here in exactly the same kitchen. Interesting, we've swapped sides, though. I wonder whether that's a, a good luck omen that obviously we'll <laughs> never replicate again. Well, you know what? I uh, It was a late night, wasn't it? So by the time I got <sighs> home and went to bed, it was, and published the, the podcast, it was like quarter to four in the morning, right? And I, so I left my Leafs jersey, my Leafs socks, my Leafs hoodie on. I slept in them. And Did I woke you? up in the morning and oh. I was in such a rage that I took them off and I put them at the back of my wardrobe Good. where they will remain mm. until I'm in a happier position. Yeah. I had a very similar thought process to that and uh, once you'd left, took mine off, threw it to the floor and thought, I'm not going to take you to Slovakia because you don't deserve to go. <laughs> Leafs jersey of mine that has no actual feelings. But you do not deserve to go because you've caused me sadness. Well, anyway, it's not about the Leafs this episode. Literally nothing to talk about. (laughs) It's about St. Louis Blues, Dallas Stars, Colorado Avalanches, San Jose Sharks, Columbus Blue Jackets, Boston Bruins, Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Highlanders. And who would have thought that there are no divisional winners and half of the people who were through to the second round of the playoffs were wild cards for the playoffs? Jolon is shaking his head. I guess we better cue the music. talk about Toronto Maple Leafs this is uh there's one thing I want to say there's <laughs> one thing I want to say right where's the timer I think we've Which got is, 30 seconds you won't seconds. need it you won't need it it's 30 seconds is all it's going to take it's very interesting how when fans react to a certain thing happening i.e. losing in game seven to the same team again when that happens the human brain goes through a lot of emotions And a lot of uh, you want to try and react to stuff and you feel that you should give your opinion to things. I've gone through all of this. Where's this going? This is going to a point where 
The last thing after that Game 7 in Boston I wanted to see come October is Mike Babcock behind the bench for the Leafs next year. Right. I couldn't stand the thought for many reasons that I'm not going to bore you all with. I just couldn't stand the thought of him being there because I think he holds a lot of the responsibility, the majority of the responsibility for the way the Leafs crashed out in the end. However, a week on, I have slowly moved, slowly moved, but I've got to a point now, week on, where I'm now in the far more level-headed mind frame of maybe he deserves one more year. Maybe he deserves... Is it, have you actually decided this on basis of facts of watching the Caldover's press officer, or are you going through this process in Jolon world, in your own head? I'm going through it in my own head with information presented to me on things like Hockey Central at noon, seeing the locker clear out and all of that kind of stuff. And I just find it, it was a, it's a really interesting process that you go through, or I've gone through in that week, of the moment of pain... Just fire everyone. Get rid of everyone. There's a cat crawling across the the ceiling. Does it all the time? There's about three of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. They 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 pitter. Is that an omen? No, no, no. Don't think so. As long as. Is that secretly Babcock? What omen? There's no. Our team's gone, Claire. (laughs) (laughs) But what I found very interesting was that you build up over a week or so, and you have a bit more time to reflect. And that is why I am a fan. And someone like Kyle Dubas is a general manager. And I'm sure he wasn't making any decisions the day after Game 7. And aren't all decisions like that probably better made maybe a week after the event? I don't know. I, I mean, what what is interesting that has come up with the Leafs going out in Game 7, considering that they did really well in terms of overall league status this season, was the things that had come up earlier in the season. And, and I know that I've heard many pundits say this, that... We knew that there were going to be holes in our defence. Yeah. We knew that we had a lack of snarl, as some one pundit put it. I think it was Brian Burke, the uh, ex-Leafs GM on Hockey mm. Central. And yet, when it came to the trade, we didn't really do a lot to rectify that. And it was kind of a sense of hoping things would be different. And what I also thought was interesting, what came out reading some articles, was how... Mike Bubcock, um, one of the things he was critiqued for when he was at um, Detroit Red Wings was his love of the foot soldiers and not giving huh. enough ice time to his stars. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realise that that was... I just thought it was situational and there was a bigger, better reason behind it. But hearing that that is something that's been quite typical um, of what he's done in other teams, I thought was an interesting perspective. So, And to give hockey fans who aren't following the Leafs as closely as we are, what we're talking about is someone like a player, Zach Hyman, who has played on the top line this year, is a workhorse type player, two million a year, not particularly skillful, but works goddamn hard every shift, is loved by Leafs uh, fans. He played an obscene amount of minutes in the final few games and a lot on the penalty kill which he's very good at to then we find out that he played three of those games with a torn ACL he was facing off in a penalty kill scenario against Patrice Bergeron the best player in that particular scenario with a torn ACL you wonder why he wasn't doing very well Mm. and it's those kind of things that you you find out afterwards 
and then you hear someone like Babcock who will not be accountable at all. Very interestingly, you know, and probably the last thing we talk about with it, but very interesting the the difference between the two of them in their post uh, locker room clear out press conferences. Babcock was very much about. He kind of alluded to a couple of things, but wasn't apologising for anything. You know, he he pointed out to things that had gone wrong, but it was all about the organisation not having a much depth, a depth, blah blah blah, injuries, things like that, and that was kind of it. Whereas Dubas, he took ownership of every single decision, even some of them where he took responsibility for the Leafs' penalty kill. Like he, bar taking responsibility for not blocking enough shots himself. Like mm. he didn't just take any, and it was just a fascinating again view on different models of leadership. Yeah, I I've actually quite enjoyed that from doing this podcast um, because you do see like you know Philadelphia Flyers seeing what they're putting together already, Florida Panthers, what mm. are they putting together, um, and how people handle adversity. And you're right, the different leadership styles. We you know we've looked at the different coaching styles as we've read like Behind the Bench, yeah. um, the book, the Craig Costance book that we've both read this yeah. year, which has given us a wider insight. But um, interestingly and you know, uh, unfortunately, in the least example, but Brian Burke on Hockey Central, former GM himself, was saying in his situation, um, he didn't take responsibility because all he had to do was gather the right people. Mm. And then it's down to the players. There's yeah. nothing more. Yeah. Coaches can kind of prepare, give you, this is what's going to happen. This is how you can handle it. But really, the ownership is on the players to perform. That's what they're paid, the millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. to do um so that it's already you can see there yeah with coming from the same organization the different types of you know approaches to this thing but and then if those players aren't on the ice enough to perform that's when you could flip it around and say well hang on a minute austin matthews even said it himself he even said that you know he's up for playing more minutes but that's a coaching call and the Bruins, there were some key players who were double shifting. Now you would imagine think imagine that, Claire. What a crazy Austin idea. Austin Matthews double shifting. John on, Tavares double shifting. On the game seven of something like that. I what I'm impressed though, Jonathan, is how calm and you you've really you really <laughs> adult him right now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. It's so if we'd have recorded this uh Well we did. We recorded at three AM last yeah, week. And I was I didn't say you were like then. a sulky teenager. I, I, well, I couldn't watch. I couldn't watch the last few minutes of the game because it had all gone by then and I just couldn't face seeing <laughs> that thing play out again. But I, yeah, it's, I had to take probably, I think there was probably two two days or so where I didn't really seek any you, reaction you from the went. game. You, I mean, I put a post in our Slack group to see if you were all right. Because <laughs> yeah, I saw that on the weekend. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't just like you know, duck out and occasionally just like comments instead of like replying. You went full off yeah. the scale. Like, even, and yeah. we were concerned about you because at least I, <laughs> I have the ability to think more than my team, right? I can think big picture. Yeah. But you, like, if we were to open up your veins right now, there'd be little little blue and white leaves that would fall out of your, your bloodstream, I think. It's the hope. It's the hope that kills you. <laughs> and sadly for me, I support a string of sporting teams that are masters at providing hope and yet zero reward at the end. <laughs> it goes through all of my teams and uh, I think I'm 
not I don't think I'm quite getting better at it. The only thing I've learned as a coping mechanism is when these things happen, best to just disappear and pipe down <laughs> and say your things to yourself. But very uh, very finally on that management thing when you when you branch it out to the rest of the NHL and this brings us on to some of our other teams. Mm. How interesting and how close do you think the likes of Tom Dundon at the Carolina Hurricanes and uh, the general manager of the St. Louis Blues, who I forget the name of. Who? Um, who? Like, you yeah. know, these are people Doug that Ar- now Doug Armstrong. we're suddenly Armstrong. having to take note of. I can't remember. It might be San Jose. I always get those mixed up. But anyway, those people involved, those management structures, those owners, those GMs, those coaches to a certain extent, although St. Louis sacked theirs, but those people held. They didn't act. They, they could have looked around and they could have seen a Carolina team that was struggling. In the struggling. trade deadline. Yeah. St. Louis unbelievably didn't break it all down. They held and they trusted in the process that they had built together. And I we will never know until the books come out in 20 years or so, but I would be fascinated to know how close the St. Louis general manager was to burning the thing down. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, and isn't it? now look at them. I've got to say, like, the one thing that I've really had to pick up in the last few days is, as a Leafs fan, we only play Carolina Hurricanes, St. Louis Blues, well, barely any time throughout the season. Yeah, twice a year. So a lot of the time I've kind of been thinking, who are these players? And I've had yeah. to go back to basics and learn about them. So that's been kind of a new, nerdy, interesting part of my week where I've taken the pain away. (laughs) And just knowing the day after the Leafs went out that the Washington Capitals went out and my truly not beloved Alex Ovechkin (laughs) waved goodbye to a chance of back-to-back. I was just so... That helped. You know what? That made me think, I love this sport. I'm all right now. Do you know what? That drew is, the line for it's me. It's so true, Claire. And also, there's a lot to be said for the fact that Tampa being swept, Washington going out in the first round, Pittsburgh going out in the first round, Carolina getting through, Colorado getting through, Calgary going out, San Jose having an incredible series against Vegas. The Leafs losing to Boston in seven is the most predictable thing that could have happened in this playoffs. Uh, yeah. And to yeah. that point, unless you follow Leafs media, nobody's talking about it. Yeah. Because the rest of the NHL's on fire currently. Has anyone checked on Calgary? Has anyone checked on all of these stars going to Slovakia next week? This is unbelievable for me and Matt Day when we go and watch the World Championships. It looks like the Stanley Cup second round should look like. You've got Ovi matching up against the likes of Patrick Kane. Is Ovi going? He's going for oh, Russia. Oh, yes, he was called up, wasn't He's he? Going yeah. For Russia. Called Him up. Him and Zaitsev. <laughs> Incredible. Are going for Russia. We're not going to see him because he's in Bratislava yeah. uh, there in that side of the draw. Um, but the list of names that we are going to see, and we'll maybe talk about it a little bit later. Can't wait for the World Champs. And you and Matt are going to record some stuff out there, aren't you? I think you? we're going to do one of our podcasts. I think, aren't you off for a week? So we're going to do a podcast from now or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So we'll, we're going to record some stuff. I don't know how much it will make sense because the only way I'm going to get through this uh, hostel experiences by drinking which i don't condone isn't big or clever i've got to say is that is not the way to get through a hostel experience i've told you earplugs and eye masks matt day messaged me about he's the dallas stars fan who's been on our podcast he messaged me last week saying i'm really sorry about the leafs result but i am really enjoying listening to you worry about going to a hostel (laughs) which i was like well i'm glad you can all have a laugh well back in the day when i first used to go to hostels you had to do chores what? Yes. They got rid of that a long time ago, and now you get free Wi-Fi, so be glad of that. 
You have to make your bed in some of them as well when you get there. That's annoying, especially when you've got a top bunk. A, make a it, what? Making a your, bunk? A bunk, yeah. When you've got the top bunk and you've got to make the bed and you arrive at like 11pm and you're trying to make a bed silently while balancing on one foot. Oh, man. Me it's and just Matt impossible. are rock, paper, scissors for who gets the top bunk. I can't bunk, wait. Can't I want Matt to video your reaction <laughs> the moment you walk through the hostel. I mean, like, a hostel in Slovakia is going to be cheap as chips, right? Uh, thankfully, yes. Unlike if we booked it now, for example. That's amazing. Yeah. The, right, the only other thing that I will just reference, but... Can we not... go now? Is that it? Are we done? <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to go into a lot of detail, but it's going to be something that we're going to throw up because we're going to uh, find a way to cover the NHL draft and mm. all the different things that are going to be coming up to the 1st of July. But the one thing that is on all of Leafs fans' minds at the moment is what's going to happen with Mitch Marner. Oh, will it be a long-term deal or a bridge deal? And we're or... not going to... You know what? No deal at all. Yeah. Can I just say that that has been something that people have talked about yeah. and have read into Carl Dubes' comments of he's not going to give Mitch Marner everything he wants to the point that, hey, if it comes around to July 1 and he's not signed, let's offer Sheehan. Yeah. So that's one to watch. And you know what? We'll, I don't think anything will move on that until the playoffs are over anyway. So we'll pick yeah. that up. We know about it. We're just not going to go into he's it He's not too going much. to the Worlds, Mitch Marner, funny enough. <laughs> Right, let's have a look at some of the other scores. And we're going to talk about um, some interesting stuff around goalies, uh, the Vesna finalists, um, shots against uh, that some of the guys have faced, who's winning, who's losing when it comes to goalies, uh, individuals that are worthwhile mentioning, uh, who's in the top 10 when it comes to points for the playoffs. Um, look around some of the interesting points of um the games that have happened over the last week, and then just a few predictions, which you've been giving us on our Slack group predictions um, and our Twitter group as well. So having a bit of fun with this, and we record this on a Tuesday evening. So as we say, like tonight, um, Columbus and Bruins uh, are going to play their third game. San Jose and Colorado are going to play their third game as well. And tomorrow, New York Islanders and Carolina play their third game. So lots of different things that are going to move as we do this. But as it stands, um, you know, St. Louis um, are up against Dallas 2-1 to one at the moment. And interesting that um, uh, Taylor um, Seguin came out and said, look, seven days ago against Nashville Predators, we were in exactly the same position. Yeah. Uh, down trailing by one two one and we came back in game four and had a massive win so there is still quite a lot of confidence um within that group and um, what i find about watching these different series is how different the mood is and the thing that i wrote down for dallas and st louis i wrote dirty goals they are so (laughs) messy it's unbelievable rebounds deflections i mean ben bishop is a fantastic goalie, but there were a couple of goals that nobody could have seen, and he didn't even know it had gone past him. I think on the first goal in game two. No, amazing. Have you watched some much of the of deflections that people? It's one of the things that amazes me about watching hockey so much is that you know it's one thing getting yourself in front of the net and trying to screen the goaltender. I can understand that, but to deflect a shot in the way that I've seen some players do. Mm. And okay, I know that they don't know where that deflection is going, but at the same time, they are intentionally getting that stick so that it deflects. Only because you're an absolute wimp, Jolon, and you cry every time you see a man get a <laughs> But the, no, I mean, I mean more of a skill were, point were, of view. Um, 
Petra um, Mrazic. Oh, yeah. Having pucks to his face. Oh, first one, that would have been it. I'd have retired. But <laughs> but no, what no, what I mean is I I can under I don't understand why people ch- put themselves in front of the net. That's a different point. But I can get how people physically do that. The thing I can't quite still get my head around is how people in front of the net get their sticks to the puck that's being shot. Like physically, I don't know how you are, have the reactions to be able to move your stick to get in the way of these pucks that are being fired at such rate. You just stick you, the, the, the thing that they say, and this is how the dirty goes, you get to the net, yeah. you use your body, you put your stick out at all times, and you're just there. But they are moving there. this. I mean, they're, you watch them, and they're moving their stick to where the shot is going. Yeah, some of us lucky, though. Some of it's lucky, and sometimes they miss, and obviously also, we don't see the Also, it always looks one. better slow-mo. Absolutely. But even so, even to, get the, even to react quick enough to move your hands to get the puck in the right direction baffles me on a game-by-game basis. And <laughs> yeah, some of those goals you talk about in that series particularly have checked that box. I mean, if there was... One highlight that I would recommend watching over the last week. Game two, the final seven minutes of that game, I just thought were unbelievable. So three times during game two, St. Louis Blues took a one goal lead. Yeah. And Dallas came back to tie it. And then <laughs> the Blues, with 1.43 to go, score. So they're, they're up. Um, and then... They get a bloody penalty with 15 seconds on the clock. So it's (laughs) 4-3. And so it's a chance for Dallas to tie the game and take it to overtime. And so Blues get this two-minute delay of game because it looks like, I think he puts the puck out um, over the plexi. Oh, yes. And so they're on six on four for 15 seconds. Um, But just those (laughs) final seven minutes were absolutely unbelievable. Um, but I thought what what was interesting watching some of the post game um, coverage and analysis of that, Jim Montgomery, um, stars coach, basically said, really impressed with special teams. Penalty kill was great, power play great, but he said what wins playoffs is good solid five on five hockey, and for them they still need to improve. See that's interesting, isn't it? Because you, I'm starting to. <sighs> I'm starting to wonder whether people just say these things now to suit their narrative slightly because mm. because you you hear that and people say it's five on five hockey that's what wins playoffs other people will say it's goaltenders that's what wins playoff series other people will say special team like all of the stuff with the Leafs was the special teams weren't good enough mm. you know Boston versus Toronto that series if Toronto's power play and penalty kill are better they win that game and so a lot of people will then go it's all about special teams when it comes to the playoffs. I'm struggling to know what to believe. And other than the fact of it's got to be a combination of all of them. Like, you I can't be terrible. I think it depends terrible. who your series is, though, because well, yeah, we'll, we'll go on yeah, to, like, yeah, yeah. Carolina yeah. and New York Islanders. And for me, I've just written one word there, and it's been a series about the goalies because it's low yeah. scoring. Um, and it was expected to be all about the special teams who would get that edge because when you've got yeah. that extra body on, yeah. then you're more likely to make the goalie work harder. Mm. Um, and obviously that's going to look a little bit different because right now Carolina are hitting injuries left, right and centre. Morazic um, um, left in game two the other day, yeah. brought on Curtis uh, McElhenney. And actually the goals that the both of them had faced... 
um, during game two were incredible. I mean, uh, McElhenney saved 17 out of 17. He came on in the second period. Yeah, and although Marazic I... And came and saved nine out of 10. So. I mean, Marazic has been brilliant this series, and I don't know whether it's the kind of bitter lease fan speaking here, but looking at McElhenney in that, in that game, I wasn't entirely convinced. Okay, he kept the puck out. But did you see some of the saves he made? They were not the kind of saves that you would sit there and go, he's got that. He's in control. Like, they were, they were slippy. Flail yeah. his arms and legs around and hope for the best. And also, they missed some golden opportunities where they whiffed on the puck and then the leg happened to be there. And if they connected with a shot... So, although, yes... I think, I think New York Islanders were really unlucky again in, in that game too yeah. because... They, they had a, a goal disallowed for a kick in oh, period two. Yeah. Period three, there was another one which... Did, uh, did there's you two actually that? off the post twice. Did you see the kicking one? Yeah, it was the highlight that was rolling around the NHL. Because even knowing what... I didn't know... When I watched the highlights, I didn't know why it was called back to start with. So I just saw the highlights and I saw it got called back. And I was looking at it going, what? Mm. It's got to be offside. It's got to mm. be something like that. And then when you watch it again, you think... Uh, wow! I mean, if that's a kicking motion, you almost got to give the guy give the guy the goal just for being able to kick it from in line with the post. It was yeah. amazing. But I mean, I think even Barry Trot said that there was forty eight seconds of good hockey. That was his analysis, and that was the two goals that came from Carolina um, in the second period. I think it was that came within forty eight seconds. So uh, I thought that, that was pretty interesting. But you, to think that New York Islanders were, they went up, they got their goal in the first period, like yeah. six, seven minutes into the game. Yeah. And then they gave it away in the second period. Everything was going for them in a way that with all these injuries, with, you know, the number one goalie going off, Curtis McElhenney hasn't played any playoff hockey for, well, I don't even know ever. I can't even remember what his stats are. But he's cold. He yeah. hasn't played any games in ages. Well, that's so what everything best, was going for New York Highlanders, <laughs> yeah. for God's sake. Yeah, well, I, f- I heard a very interesting thing on um, Hockey Central. Um, uh, John Shannon said it about Barry Trotz and the New York Islanders. And he said he asked Barry Trotz how he has created the success uh, so quickly with the New York Islanders. And Barry Trotz said... I won the Stanley Cup last year. And I kind of thought about it and thought, well, yeah. Like, and, and this is what John Channel went on to say. He said, well, of course, if you go into a locker room, a brand new locker room with loads of people, and you say your vision of how you want this to work, damn right you're going to get buy-in. Because all of those players in that room who missed out on the playoffs the previous year were watching your team win the Stanley Cup. So, of course, you're going to listen to him. Yeah. Which is a really interesting kind of you know spin on whether that is you know I'm sure there's lots of reasons why the New York Islanders have done well but I did wonder whether that combination of bringing in the Stanley Cup winning coach from the previous year gave them that real boost of yeah we're buying into this guy because he knows exactly what he's talking about turns Mm. out they might go out the second round but (laughs) you know what the thing that I did enjoy nerding out over and um uh, just going back to our Dallas um scenario it was Matt the Dallas fan who posted it and shared it um, in our Slack group about the last Stanley Cup titles for the eight remaining teams <laughs> in 2019. Let me just read these through, right? Yeah. So there are one, two, three, which have never won a Stanley Cup, and that is Columbus, San Jose, and St. Louis Blues. 
Um, then we're going back. The one who had won it most recently is 2011, and that was Boston Bruins. Then Ugh. we go back to 2006 for Carolina Hurricanes, 2001 for Colorado Avalanches, Dallas were 1999, New York Islanders 1983. So whoever wins out of these is going to be a real shake-up. I mean, if it's Boston... Apart from Boston. Yeah, you know, pretty typical. But to go back to Carolina, I mean, that even... That's 13 years ago. So this means that's, this this means quite a lot. I remember know? that stat flying around when the Leafs were, you know, in it with Boston is that they were saying if the, if the Leafs beat Boston and the Canes beat the Caps, then it would be Carolina would be the last team to win the Stanley Cup out of that group, which is remarkable, really. I mean, they're an incredible story, and we should talk about them a little bit later. But um, I just think the when you look at the playoffs and where they are at now and the teams that are involved, you kind of just have to remember that this is the Stanley Cup playoffs and mm. this is not what anyone was imagining would be the matchups in round two. So the one series that I have not been watching a lot of has actually been um, Columbus and Boston for obvious reasons that I just I just didn't want to look at Brad Marchand anymore. <laughs> and I went <laughs> on to the Dane NHL Chara. website today and the first picture, no, actually it was The Athletic. Mm. And the first picture that was like the main feature was a picture of Brad Marchand. And I just clicked off it. I just thought, I don't want to look at it. Which yeah. they should factor this in that we're feeling Into their like algorithm. This. They should factor this in, but yeah. um, you know, I, I think uh, it's interesting with um, what Tortorella's doing. He said he's, he's, there's been some changes in how they've kind of adapted their playoff mentality this year compared to um, you know other ways other ways that he's done it before. So he said that when they want to do a road game, they don't fly straight home that evening. They stay for an extra night because that allows the body to recover, yeah. get the sleep in, so they get proper rested. Um, interesting. Which I thought was interesting. And Matt Deshane obviously became a bit of a hero when he scored that the goal in the double overtime game the other day in game two. But uh, there was someone that I read that one of his things that he brought into the locker room was gluten-free honey stinger waffle wafers. <laughs> Because there was an article which said about all the weird things that players do when they go to extra overtime. And because, I mean, like Sergei um, Bobrovsky says that he loses four pounds every game. Um, so a lot of it is water weight. But you think when you're going to double overtime, how much more energy you require. And they were talking in this article about where sometimes the pizza delivery person has to come back twice <laughs> in one game just to They're kind of so feed the energy. So I think that, that that's kind of interesting, but I, I personally I haven't re- I haven't watched any of the highlights of that. I wish I had because I said that I put Columbus as my next team, but I just can't bear to watch Boston. <laughs> but we should say hello to Jonathan who has joined us as a fan from Belgium. Apparently he's been listening, and uh, he's a Columbus fan. But what I find interesting, um, Artemi Panarin is someone's name who. He's really doing himself a lot of favours, isn't he, with his current contract situation. Finally. He's in the top 10 of players who are in terms of points-wise for playoffs. So he's doing everything yeah. um, to make sure that he is recognised for this great player that he is. He's got four goals. I mean, you know, good on him. But in, but, but with them, with those players, with Panarin, with Bobrovsky, with Duchesne, with all of those players, 
you know, going into the playoffs, these were players who were under fire for not performing to their potential. Bobrovsky and Panarin particularly, because they've had the whole season. But Duchesne, you know, remember everyone was saying about Duchesne that he's the cursed player. He's the player that if you have him on your team, you are not going to get into the playoffs. Not only are you not going to get into playoffs, you're probably going to end up bottom of the NHL. Mm. And he has... You know, he's not turned that reputation around instantly, but he's cert- nobody's talking about that anymore, are they? Nobody's talking about how Yarmo Kekalainen and their GM is probably going to lose his job because he he spent all of these picks on all these players. Now, it's it's now a success story. I, I kind of think that they need to beat Boston for it to be a gold-plated success. I think if they beat Boston, there's no That's doubting. That's a proper, a proper Stanley Cup win then. It's, I don't I don't think they need to win the Stanley Cup for it to be seen as a success because I don't think you can ever... Only one team wins it. And, you know, even East versus West, only that you know a team will win it out of the two sides. So a team can't really be judged on whether they win the Stanley Cup. And I think for Columbus, by beating Tampa in four was amazing, incredible. However, I think for them... For it to be a successful off-season, they then need to beat Boston. What happens beyond then, I think that's where they get into the realms of, now we're dreaming. But I think if they beat Boston, then Kekalainen can look at what he did and what he spent and all of that kind of stuff and go, do you know what? We got a good return. Hmm. Do you know... Saying that, if I was a fan and they got through Boston, and I'm not saying that they could just sit back and, you know, take a defeat, but... Well, let's see what you're saying in seven days' time. We'll play that back because it's not 9.34 yet. It's all right. Oh, shush. Matthew's on a golf course somewhere. I don't (laughs) care about 34. Do do you know what um, Sergei Bobrovsky likes to um, eat in between periods? (laughs) No. Have a guess. Sergei Bobrovsky. I mean, he is is an interesting character, isn't he? Uh, Do you think it's healthy? Do you think it's greasy? No, I'm going to say it's not healthy. Uh, Hockey players don't tend to. Um, oh, unless that you're John Tavares and. Uh, oh, he's just a saint, isn't he? Yeah. Who's going to Slovakia? Um, I'm going to go with a donut. <laughs> it's not. It's bananas. Oh, what? That's boring. It right? is a bit boring, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, it's like saying you have oranges at half time at a football match as a kid. <laughs> like, yeah, everyone did. <laughs> right, let's jump to. The one where there was quite a lot of controversy of how they got there, but San Jose Sharks and Colorado Avalanches. Man, and that Vegas series was good, wasn't it? So the, the fact that the league came out and apologised um, for... They said they had made this... Potentially made this mistake for Game 7, the five-minute major that got called, where there's obviously no opportunity for a review on Cody Eakin on the hit with Pavelski. And Pavelski is still out from the Sharks lineup, um, and it looks like at one point I think they came out and said we thought it could have been a fractured skull, um, but it but it wasn't. But he's still going through the concussion protocol and you know treatment for a head injury. So whether he will return in this playoff series, we don't know. Um, but it really does kind of it opened up quite a lot of controversy. We talked on the last couple of weeks actually about. Um, people have questioned player safety and is it one rules for one in the playoffs and another rule for the regular season and the officials in this particular game were left out of the roster for 
the second round. And the league coming out and apologising. Along with Game 2 Boston-Toronto officials as well. Really? Yeah, which is very interesting because that was... In the aftermath of that, those were the two games that were identified in the postseason of they went too far. And the officials... You know, in in the San Jose Vegas series, it was more of a, you know, that decision was wrong, right? Mm. And that cost them a huge amount. In the Boston Toronto series, those officials haven't gone through to the second round because the league didn't like the fact that, you know, they're not going to blame them for calling Nazim Kadri and giving him the game misconduct, etc., because player safety kind of backed that up with the suspension. But what they didn't like was how that game was officiated, which led to that incident happening. So it was interesting that those two referees in two games that were so highly controversial were then left out of round two. Yeah, see, I was watching uh, NHL Tonight. I I catch up on that stuff on YouTube. So whenever I'm making my tea, I just Hmm. open up my laptop, get my YouTube out, and I just go to the NHL Network site, go to videos, and they have NHL Now and NHL Tonight, and they just pull together all the highlights, don't they, over the last yeah. few days? Normally about 20, 30 minutes. So I just hit play and I just watch some of that. And one of the pundits, can't remember his name, but he was really, it was a different voice to what I'd heard, and I wished I could clip it and play it. But he was really outspoken about saying, look at the positions of where the refs are now if you're here you're not going to see that but you're going to see this so if i was looking at it from this point of view i would make the decision that the refs made on the ice yeah and um and he was talking about that these are very well respected refs Mm -hmm. um that they've um refed some really senior hockey they know their stuff and was actually speaking out for the first time that i've ever heard in total favor of well, these particular refs anyway. And he said, it's the hardest job on the ice. Tensions are high. It's an emotional game. It matters to people, but they can only call what they see. And looking, he, he stopped the play, circled where the refs were. Like, I think the, the incident happened when uh, one of the linesmen dropped the puck. But you see, as he drops the puck, his head turns. So although he is perfectly, if his head's forwards, in the yeah. right position to see what's happening, he turned his head because he would look to skate away. So at that precise moment, he didn't see what happened. And yeah. for me, as a fan, taking out the emotion and looking at it from that point of view, I thought, that's really interesting. And I've never heard a pundit come out and speak so highly of refs mm. before. It's an yeah. easy stab, isn't it, at player oh, safety? Yeah. And yeah. I get there's holes, and there always will be. And I know that you have said about, I don't understand how they're making up the rules as they go along, but... You know what? It was just nice to hear a different point yeah. of view. And I think uh, I think one of the big criticisms was of NHL refereeing generally, not just in this instance, but this was an example of it, was NHL referees are dishing out the severity of the penalties depending on the consequences. So if you've got a player like Pavelski down on the ice, blood streaming out of his face, and he looks in the way that he is. And blood on the ice. Then, yeah. then the player is being penalised because of that. Whereas, if another hit, which potentially could be far more dangerous, I'm not saying the Pavelski hit wasn't dangerous, but I'm saying you could have a hit that is far potentially far more dangerous, and the player hits the ice, and for whatever reason, luck is on their side, and they bounce straight back up again, and they carry on in the very kind of NHL way, 
then that doesn't get penalised or it gets penalised lighter. It's a lighter penalised than the than because of the consequences. And it's whether that is right because that then builds into players lying on the ice. Now, that's not what Pavelski did. Don't mm. get me wrong. I'm not saying Well, it's saying not he... like football, is it, where people are rolling around crying. But did you see the... Just a delay uh, oh, time. Oh, I can't remember what game it was. But the, the, the whole simulation... And uh, I think it was last night there was a game, and people will know which one I mean, but there's a, there was a game anyway where a player got um, a penalty for uh, simulation, basically, right. for something. And that's the road you'll end, you'll end up going down. If players know the only way they're going to get anything... Oh, embellishment. Embellishment, is that what you mean? thank you. It was, that is it the was one. Um, a few... <clears throat> it was last week, actually. Was it last week? Yeah. Oh, it was last night, but anyway. Um, <laughs> it's been a long week. It has been a long week, yeah. <laughs> Um, but that is that is the road you'll end up going down yeah. if the only way to get a player penalised is to lie on the ice. And that's a dangerous thing. You surely have got to call the hit. You've got, exactly, call what you see as a referee. See you're not going to see everything. Exactly. If you, you're not going to see everything. But if you see a bad hit, it should make no difference how the player gets up. And I think that's something that a lot of criticism went to these particular referees in. However, in this particular scenario, it was a very unfortunate set of circumstances mm. that led to a player getting really badly hurt, but not necessarily by it that was original also really hit. Really timely, wasn't it? In in a crucial point in the game. So, but I don't. I also don't buy that. I don't buy that the that the referees lost that game. T- for Vegas, yeah, you Vegas can see how angry. lost that game. Yeah, and I thought what well, I, I put out a tweet um, on our account this week saying, "Are people su- are surprised about how cool and calm the GM George McPhee was in in reaction reacting to this?" And it was very much like we did all we could. This is what happens. It's the game of hockey. We move onwards. Uh, the yeah. league have contacted us to say uh, we're sorry. Uh, I thought that was really interesting but um, also but, but there's there's a certain amount of responsibility for Vegas giving up was it four goals on that particular power play yeah I mean alright one stop stop that happening did you see San Jose San Jose tweet about that particular moment no what did it so say San Jose who of course you know uh, benefited from that refereeing decision and then went on to you know score something like four unanswered goals on their uh power play and of course because it was a major and a game misconduct then you don't get the player back he just stays off regardless of how many goals just trying to find the tweet now um it was a real uh hockey twitter has got really entertaining this year they've uh whoever runs the twitter accounts for all of the different uh teams i think has uh Oh yeah, and also really that one at NHL fans from afar on Twitter—they're really good. They're too, good aren't too. They? Yeah. In fact, that's the profile I'm looking through at the moment. I've got to think though, just whilst you find that tweet, from my point of view, with Vegas, the fact that they went out in such a close, tied series—it's not necessarily a bad end to the season for them because they. Everybody said, "Well, last year was a fluke. You'll never do that again." But actually, they they held their own. They did some really interesting trades around trade deadline. Yeah. Um, and they could have gone through to the second round. So 
I don't feel like it was a disappointing end. If I was a Vegas fan, I'd be a bit peeved about that that moment. But I would also be like, this hasn't been the worst season for us in the world. We've proved that that we're not not complete Egypts and we're not lucky leprechauns. That is so true. But that is such the thing that everybody will be screaming at this podcast about Toronto, wouldn't it? Like the fact that... Come on, guys! Like, if you were a, if you were us in an alternative universe as an NHL fans from afar, being recorded by two people who aren't Leafs fans, who are Vegas fans, who are losing their over Vegas result and San Jose, <laughs> and they're going, do you know what though? If I was Toronto, I mean, I know it sucks losing to Boston, but they got them to Game Seven. They had another hundred point series. They signed up Matthews and Nylander. I mean, it's not so bad, is it? No. Yeah, there we go. Discussion point over. <laughs> that point. is happening. Fair, fair point. Um, I have fair found point. the tweet. San Jose um, in the uh, in this series that they're currently playing did manage to kill off a four minutes uh, straight of power play time, and they tweeted, "Wow, uh, what do you know? You can kill four straight minutes of power play time!" Exclamation Ooh. mark, which is wonderful. And when you look at the mentions, every single person in there has cc'd at Golden Knights on Aww. Twitter just to make sure that they saw that, which is great. Bringing uh, what was a horrible incident, but back into the fun sport that we love. Okay, two points that I want to make on this series. Okay. Yeah. Number one, one particular person, which everybody is talking about. In fact, Connor McDavid, Patrick Kane, Sidney Crosby have been talking about this person and how they are enjoying watching him play and feel that he is the reason that people should still pay attention to the chaos that is the Stanley Cup playoffs. Oh, and that man. Mer- I'm, you know, trying to, I'm trying to guess who it could be. Nathan McKinnon, yeah. right? I mean, this kid, he's got time, he's got space, he's great at his handling of the pucks, he's got speed, he's got strength. I mean, he's just basically got the makeup of everything. He's 23, he's only on 6.3 million until 2022-23. You know, in the playoff season, he's done seven games and got four goals, seven assists, he's minus one. In the main season, he played all 82 games and he got 41 goals. Now, I don't want to say this is a bit of a weird coincidence, but he plays number 29. Now, who do we know that plays number 29 and didn't get anywhere near 41 goals and costs a little bit more than 6.3 million? Oh, Claire, why do you have to make that comparison? But I just couldn't help it. I was like, number Ugh. 29, why does that number ring a bell? Yeah, thanks, William Nylander. You're uh, not really working out so great for us. But Nathan McKinnon, what a joy to watch him. I could, I think, you know how sometimes when you're avoiding doing work, yeah. you either A, tidy your bedroom, which is the only time I tidy my bedroom, or do the washing up. I don't iron, I draw a line at ironing. <laughs> or thirdly, I watch random YouTube videos of hockey hits, uh, children playing ice hockey. I enjoy watching whatever they call it because it's just cute when they all fall over. Yeah. And then secondly, and then hockey. then you also just type in names and you just watch like compilation videos of certain players. Nathan yeah. McKinnon compilation videos is going to be on my summer watch list. Yeah, he is. He's a remarkable player. He's he's everything you want from your superstar. Um, well, yeah, from your superstar forward, and he is. You know, not only that, but he is coming in at a very nice little cap number. Um, One thing on that, though, and I heard uh, Jeff Merrick talking about this. He, when that contract was signed, I can't remember how many years ago, but when that contract was signed, that was seen as quite a hefty price to pay. 
for Nathan McKinnon at the time. Hmm. And everyone now makes the comparison to the likes of William Nylander at 6.9, at Austin Matthews at 12-odd, at, you know, what's Mitch Marner going to get? And all of these other UFAs, Braden Point, what's he going to get in Tampa? Um, all of these other players who are going to get paid this summer, Sebastian Ajo in Carolina, I think he's another one, Patrick Line. All of these deals, when they are made, look expensive. They because they're at the top end. Because the, the the agent goes, we want the stars and the moon, mm. and the team go, ha, ha, no, 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 you can have this, and then they meet somewhere in the middle. Mm. So and it shifts the market, and it gradually. shifts the market gradually. Yeah. Salary caps going up each and every year so far. More and more money in the league, therefore more players are going to get paid. So Nathan McKinnon, although he's on this unbelievable bargain contract, it is, it's the right contract for the year that he was signed in. And what is great for Colorado is they now have a few years, like the Leafs do with Morgan Riley at 4.5, like other teams do. Like, you know, I can't remember, is it Stamkos' deal or Kucherov's deal? But you look at one of them and up to this year, that was unbelievable. Mm. Colorado have an opportunity now with Nathan McKinnon at that cap level. If they manage it well, then they can build a really successful team around him for the next few years. Mm. What they then got to do is make sure they don't sign themselves up for a load of bad contracts that hit them later on. But a player like McKinnon and the way that he's performing in the playoffs is answering any critics that he's not a big time player. And that's the thing I think has changed. I think people knew he was great, knew he was part of this great top line that Colorado had. I think this playoffs has proven to people who aren't Avalanche fans who see this week in, week out, but people like you and me who only see them a few times a year. We are now watching someone like McKinnon going, wow, this guy actually is a Crosby. This guy has the potential to be up there fighting Conor McDavid for all of those awards and things. Well, it's also, this is the time for people like him to shine because when you do see those big stars out, now's your time to step into the limelight. Yeah. You know, everybody's attention is on you. The teams reduce. I found it a lot easier this week to keep on top of what's happening game by game because last week just felt like absolute mayhem round one is crazy 16 different games but this this third game and i did message um steve earlier to find out how he's feeling about um tonight's game uh san jose and, and colorado and he said this is the one that they really need to make the difference and they need to win this particular one this yeah. is the one that he's been holding out for. Because actually, you know, I mean, looking, I, I kind of looked through the top 10 players in the playoffs um, when it comes to points um, and goals and stuff like that. McKinnon up there with four goals. Uh, Mikko Ratnan is actually uh, at the top with five goals, plenty of points. Um, there are a couple of other people like Thomas Hurtle. Uh, San Jose, six goals. Brent Burns has got four goals and he's a defenseman, for God's sake. Um, Eric Carlson has got 10 assists. Um, So there are some people in this particular series that are right up there and performing and doing their job. But what's interesting when we come to talk about goalies again is that when I look through uh, my geeky goalie stats, mm. which just look like scrolls, so I'm going to have to like <laughs> put really close to my face. Um, San Jose, 
And in, this list includes the teams who are out of the playoffs. Yeah. But San Jose, both goalies sit at the bottom. Aaron <laughs> Dell and Martin Jones. They both sit, in terms of save percentage, they sit at the bottom. But their goals against average is some of the highest. So what that shows me is there's a lot of goals, there's a lot of movement yeah. um, happening in this particular series. The goalies are like big sieves and there's a lot passing them and there's a lot coming at them as yeah. well. So I wanted to look into a little bit more detail about, okay, how many shots are they actually facing? And a great little website, Natural Stat Trick, which, oh my God, I went cross-eyed looking at it at first. <laughs> and then when I started to think, no, come on, Claire, there's some interesting stuff in here. The, the figure that I decided to look at from a goalie point of view is, okay, I think in my head that the San Jose and Colorado teams are pretty high in goal scoring compared to like Carolina, New York Islands, where there's far less goals going in. Goalies are much tighter like walls. So is there any evidence in that kind of stats? And when I looked on natural stat trick for who, which goalies have the highest shots against? Well, actually, Ben Bishop was at the top. Nine games played, all of these three that I'm going to point out. So this is just in the playoffs? This is just in the playoffs. So okay. Ben Bishop has had 74 shots uh, thrown at him. He saved 65 of them. Next was Martin Jones, as I predicted. Um, 69 shots thrown at him and he saved 56. Third was St. Louis Blues, um, Louis Blues, Jordan Binnington with 64 shots, has saved 52. And then I wanted to get a bit of context on this. How does this compare to someone like Sergei Bobrovsky? Yeah. Okay, now he's faced, he's played three less games purely because they shut down their first series quicker. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And in context, so Ben Bishop had 74 shots against him. Uh, Bobrovsky has had 32 shots and he saved 27 of them. Broski's only faced 32 shots in the playoffs. Yeah. That's remarkable. I'm the not... difference in that. I, I mean, know, I, know I was a got... bit like, is this, is this for real? I know you've got like, you know, some teams have played seven games and four game series and then blah, blah, blah. So you have got a game differential in there, as you pointed out. But what amazes me about that is Bobrovsky's is... Everyone's saying Bobrovsky is having a world-class playoffs. But he's not as busy because his defensemen are doing shots. the job. And, and yeah, and, and again, this comes back to the different style of the series that we're mm. seeing. So, I mean, somebody could point out to me, and please do, if I have got this wrong, then please contact us and tell us how, why, what we need to. Oh, people Because it almost feels like, what? 32 versus 74, mm. and there's only three games difference. Is that right? I'm kind of questioning myself, but it kind of looks like it. Have a look on natural stats. Four of those itself. games were against the Tampa Bay Lightning, Claire. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? So I, I thought that was interesting, but with yeah. San Jose Sharks at the bottom when it comes to these save percentages, could that cost them the cup? You know, if we go further down the line... Yeah. And people are saying, or oh, will it be Carolina Hurricanes versus San Jose Sharks is one of the potential matchups. Now, Carolina are getting through, and yes, they're leading their series 2-0 by the skin of their teeth with a vast amount of injuries and losing yeah. a, you know, a key goalie is going to make such a difference. I mean, the stats-wise for uh, Morazic, where is he? Uh, he's, got, he's off with a groin injury, basically. 
Where's my stats for him? So he's nine nine games with a 0.913 uh, save percentage. And interestingly, that his contract is coming up at the end of this year, and he's on 1.5 million. Now they're kind of saying that for Carolina Hurricanes. Who Mrazek is? Yeah, I thought he was on league minimum. Yeah, uh, m- um, Curtis McElhenney, uh, Mrazek, and Robin Lenner. Were they saying something about these matchups of the goalies was the um, lowest amount of paid goalie matchups? <laughs> uh, I don't know in in this particular playoff run or some yeah. kind of stat like that. But I think this, what when I looked through those save percentages and. Most most of the guys have played uh, nine uh, games on average. Uh, Robin Lenners played six because obviously again they got a clean sweep against Pittsburgh in their first round. Uh, but Jordan Binnington, Ben Bishop, Robin Lenner all come top as it stands with just playoff stats. Um, Robin Lenners save percentage. Get this right, uh, nine five two. 952, Ben Bishop's next with 931, and Jordan Binton with 910. And this is a kid who is 25, Rookie. who's got no NHL playoff experience, £650,000. Even his goalie, the, technically the number one goalie for St. Louis Blues, is on 4.35 million. But again, he has no playoff games that are He's played. a rookie. He so, is a rookie, and he is in this scenario. And I know that he won't win the Calder Cup. I know that that will go to Elias Pettersson. But I I just don't understand why he can't win it. Because he's performing at a level that Elias Pettersson doesn't even have the opportunity to do. Mm. And the, one of the reasons why he's performing at that level is because of his performances in the regular season have dragged that team into playoff contention and to a chance of a Stanley Cup and you compare the likes of Jordan Binnington to someone like Martin Jones Martin Jones had one of the highest win a number of wins in the regular season amongst NHL goaltenders he also had one of the lowest save percentages Mm. what does that tell you about the rest of his team whereas you've got a rookie in Jordan Binnington earning league minimum and he is a Calder Cup player a nominated player he won't win it but that that guy has done so much for that organization in his rookie year i mean and shots and had 64 shots thrown at him and exactly against you know that series against winnipeg was tough on him i mean that wasn't an easy series by any stretch of imagination that wasn't sweeping tamper in four we could, we obviously, if we're talking about goalies, um, the Vesna um, finalists have been announced and they are Ben Bishop, Robert Lennon, uh, Lennon and Andrei Vasilevsky. Uh, the GM's vote kind of came out. Um, How are you going to feel if you're Andrei Vasilevsky when you win that award and you're walking up on stage in Vegas picking up that award? How are you <laughs> going to feel if you're Nikita Kucherov picking up whatever award he's going to win? I mean, how? Hedman. Probably going to win the Norris. How, I mean, how are they going to walk up in Vegas and take those awards knowing of the thought going through every single person's mind is, oh, those are the guys that bottled it yeah. in round one. What also interested me, um, just talking about kind of individuals, I really, 
a really great article that I enjoyed from a different perspective of the playoffs, uh, written by David Lombardi on The Athletic. And it was a feature piece about the kind of unsung, almost forgotten heroes. And it was a feature piece about San Jose Sharks' Kevin LeBlanc. He's 23 years old. He's a, he's a Sharks forward. And it talked about this five-day period of how he went from possibly one of the lowest moments in his life to one of the highest, best moments of his life over a five-day period. So period two of game five against Vegas Golden Knights, he was benched. The um, coaches were saying uh, he some of the things he'd done, errors in the defensive zone were unforgivable and it was not a playoff standard. So he gets, Sorry, you mean you can get benched for things like that? So he <laughs> sat there on the third period suited and booted on the bench watching his play and didn't have any ice time five days later yeah. game seven big deal he is on the ice for every point uh, he gets a point for every goal that's scored he is sniping left right and center he gets a go-ahead score he's got three assists and basically he is kind of catapulted into this wow to kind of come back from that adversity of absolute crap to he realized that you can't just give it 80 percent in the playoffs you can't give it 90 percent you've got to be on it a hundred percent and he cited jumbo joe thornton and mm. his dad who was uh, an ex-hockey player out from slovakia um as two of the people who were great mentors for him and helped pick him up and say the right things to him when he needed it and he said he looked to his role models to kind of step up and find like you know dug deep to get that kind of courage now i never heard of kevin leblanc no but that's what i enjoy no. about when your team disappears and you kind of open your eyes as if you're new to this sport and you rediscover that love and that passion that perhaps you had when you first fell in love with your team because i am now looking and thinking well i don't know so much about Warren Fogel from Carolina Hurricanes. I don't really know much about Jaden Schwartz, but both these guys have got five and six goals in the playoffs. So I should really start to know about these guys. Yeah. You know, we've talked about Jordan Binnington quite a lot, but we don't really know much about too much of where he's come from is his kind of route into the NHL properly. So I'm, I'm enjoying that sense where you kind of get to know things. Yeah, it's really true. And this year is giving us an opportunity to do that even more with the type of teams that have been left in. You know, normally at this point in the year, we're talking about, wow, how many goals is Sidney Crosby going to get? Wow, is Alexander Ovechkin going to be a better goal scorer than Wayne Gretzky? Like, those are the types of conversations that we tend to have. And that's exactly right. That's how it should be. Like, this is the time the stars come out to play. And this is the time where they can hog that limelight quite rightly. However, due to the unique way that this whole playoff season has ended and ended up producing some incredible results, we have now got this opportunity where Justin Williams can be the superstar of the NHL if he wants to for the night. And Peter Morazic can be talked about as the best goaltender of the night. Who and- saves goals with his Face. With his face for his one point five million pound cap hit. Who was was it? Pavelski who scored goals with his face. Yeah, like two of them, didn't he? Or scored one with it. Oh, it's amazing. Um, but, but yeah, I think this year, this year, that is what we've just got to embrace. And I'm enjoying watching hockey where I barely know half the players. 
Fuck. You're watching a game and you're going, wow, this is great. Like, I have no idea what's Who going are on, you? but this is great. Yeah. One thing that I did enjoy about superstition, right, which is a big thing in this sport. Yeah. So New York Islanders are switching between two different venues right now, Long Island and Brooklyn. And a, a stat was tweeted by the NHL, which seemed to imply that regardless of the venue, they have the same number of wins, the same number <laughs> of losses and overtime shootout losses. So it doesn't matter which venue they're in, which I thought was funny. Um, and then we also uh, put out on our on our Slack group as well. Uh, I asked the question of round two: Who qualifies? <laughs> go. And let me just run through the list. All right. Okay. So uh, there ended up being one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of us that contributed to this conversation. Uh, first of all, I have to give credit to Matt, the Dallas fan, who did not put Dallas as one of the people to go through. He felt that Blues were far more organised and skillful team. Did he? He did, yes. Wow, that's impressive. And also just to note that both Matt, who is a Dallas fan, and Paul, who is the San Jose Sharks fan, we did invite onto this podcast, but both were too busy being part-time hockey fans because they decided to choose to watch a football match instead. I mean, to be fair to Matt, he is actually at the Tottenham game that is on tonight. Wow, but yeah, I, we, we want to get them on. So hopefully next week, depending how their teams fare, we will try and get them on when uh, when they get back from supporting their football team. Well, let me just count. So for the, the Dallas Blues matchup, how many people said Dallas? One, two, three out of seven said Dallas would go through. For the San Jose and Avs... Only two out of seven said that Avs would go through. For the New York... One of them, Stephen, by any chance? Uh, he did put yeah, his own team, he did. It's, it's unfair to get any fan to bet against their own team. So I don't... I'm amazed Matt chose the Blues because I would always <laughs> choose... You always choose your own team, but... Well, New York and Carolina, only one person, Aka, you, put Carolina to go through. Do you want to know the reason for that? Why? Well, the reason for that is... They were my only successful prediction from round one. What, on your bracket? So my bracket, my my what's the point in this bracket <laughs> now, was I was one for eight. Okay, so I got one correct and the rest of them I all got wrong. The only one I got right was that Carolina would beat Washington. Which actually, if you'd have said to me, you'd get that one right, I would have thought, my God, my bracket's going to look wicked. If you'd have told me that was the only one I was going to get right, it's crazy. So now, what have you got to do? I've got to back the Canes all the way to the cup. Because, well, they're the only one that succeeded for me in round one. So therefore, I shall vote for them in round two. Okay. That's my logic. Columbus and Boston. Looking good at the moment, eh? (laughs) Columbus and Boston. Now, I imagine if we had asked this same question two weeks ago, we would have got a very different answer. But only two people out of seven have said Boston will go through over Columbus. So that's where the picture is. And uh, I did also like Dave's comment where he said uh, about last week's podcast is, was it the final podcast of the year, seeing as our team had gone out? <laughs> no, we're <laughs> Which, here, Dave. We're here. Yeah. And we're loving it. Um, would your... Presumably you chose Columbus? Did you choose Columbus? I chose Columbus, yeah. What was your reasoning for choosing Columbus? Um, I just think that they've got um, got the momentum um maybe some of it is as my bracket is called wishful thinking yeah i think uh, as a journalist you look for what do i (laughs) think is the most interesting story here right um columbus making it through 
to the final would be great. Also, I just want to see... Now I've, now I've seen Alex Ovechkin almost cry. Hmm. I'd love to see Brad Marchand. He almost cried, didn't he, when that the national anthem was on the other week. It looked like if he'd actually kind of squinted a bit, a tear would have rolled down his face. Not I want to see bit. real Brad Marchand tears, right? I want to see that water come down his face. Not sweat, yeah. but like actual tear. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that, sorry, Ross, the Bruins fan. I, say, I mean, who we spoke sorry, to on not last sorry. week's podcast. Yeah, um, yeah. we, that was the only prediction that I put down purely with my heart as opposed to my head. I actually have no idea who's going to win out of that Boston-Columbus series, but I was voting as a Leafs fan who just couldn't bear the thought of Boston going through any further. So I think I said on on the Slack group, I said, because Columbus beat Tampa, so why wouldn't you bet on them? I think the real reason for that was because I can't bear the thought of Boston going through and winning the thing. So just anyone beat them, please. I think that was my prediction. Well... Not that I'm bitter, Claire. That's the important thing yeah, to remember from this. I am. I'm a mature adult and it's only hockey and it doesn't matter, does it? That's I've just decided told. that I'm approaching it as this is a completely... If I just ignore the Boston Bruins, which is why I want them out, then I'm just approaching this as if it's a brand new league. Like, I've never watched any of these teams, any of these players before. It's like as if a new NHL league has formed and I can just look at it with fresh eyes. We're never going to. We're going to be tainted by the ne- ne- Next season... Next season, we are going to be talking about this very moment. We're going to be talking about the fact that the Leafs are going to play the Bruins again in well, round one. What you have to remember when it comes to things like emotions is they're just like <laughs> clouds, Jolon. Sure. They pass, they come and they go like a wave comes at you. Then no sooner this is it a come freaking you, tsunami, Claire. <laughs> Talk about a wave. I've been miserable for a week. What, what will be worse? Is yeah. if we have to keep doing this podcast over the next few you, weeks. I thought you were going to stop then. <laughs> what will be worse? We have to keep doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and Boston yeah. go through yeah. and win. And so then I we can't. have to have to deal with the fact that Boston could win the Stanley Cup final this year. The team that... Oh, I just don't even want to think about it. I, I genuinely don't want to think about it. I struggled enough to watch them beat us. And... Oh, just... We might have to, like, sell off the podcast for a few weeks or something. Ross can do it. <laughs> Ross can just take over just the podcast. Just do it. He can record it himself. I don't care. Like, <laughs> why do we need two people? Why? Do, I mean, what do we know? We're Leafs fans. We, we, we don't care beyond the first round, do we? No, it's true. It's hard work, this, isn't it? But yeah. anyway, seven days, anything could happen. So we could see, what, Boston out. Uh, as it stands, New York Islanders could be out. Um, mm. Yeah. Imagine if the New York Islanders swept the Penguins and then got swept by the Hurricanes. Oh, that's bittersweet, isn't it? That's nuts. Are you saying these kind of crazy things so that this is where we can start next week's podcast when it does happen? Well, if it happens, I mean, how do you, how do you how do we were talk you know bring this podcast full circle? Um, you know, you're talking about it's management not, looking. It's past nine thirty four, by the way. <laughs> What number are we on? 40, 44, Morgan Riley. <laughs> uh, what are we doing? Oh my God. It 52, comes to Martin Marincian. Yeah, well, he didn't turn up either, did he? I don't care. Um, but how do you, and this is a hypothetical as we speak at the moment, but if okay. you are Islanders top brass, how do you 
deal with being swept in the second round after sweeping a team in the first round. I just don't even know how, as a fan, you process that. I know how I'm processing losing to Boston in Game 7 because, hey, I'm getting used to it. Because you're on a high and then you get pulled down. But remember, New York Islanders were not really expected to go anywhere this year. Forget that. All right, here's a question then. Out of the two, Boston or the Islanders, so you've got Boston, Brad Marchand, Crocodile Tears himself, you've got him, (laughs) or you've got the New York Islanders, we don't need John Tavares lot. Oh, God. Who do you want to be playing in the Stanley Cup final? Neither. Least. Neither. But which one? Because I was asked this question Boston. earlier, the, two days ago. Boston. Boston. I don't want them playing. I want. You said, who do I want playing in at least? I don't want Boston to move So you'd forwards. prefer to see the New York Islanders in a Stanley Cup final than the Boston Bruins yes. this season? Yes, and I think that it's a more interesting story and they deserve it more because the work that they've done, an upwards trajectory, is so much better. <laughs> oh, I just don't know. I don't know who I would choose. Like I, well, I'll tell you what, I you can have a little stories. think over that because when they're playing their game, whenever it is tomorrow, then you'll find out, won't you, you whether it's going to head towards that sweep. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I do want to mention, how much more have we got to talk about? Well, nothing. I was trying to put the end, but oh, you right, keep okay. rabbiting well, got, on, don't I've you, with all more. these silly, crazy what-ifs. <laughs> one more thing that is definitely happening, Claire, and this is to give me a little pick-me-up before uh, we... Whatever the last words you say of this podcast is how we're going to start next week. So choose your words carefully. Next week. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. Uh, this is the Team Canada was announced for the Worlds. Who's right. in it? Well, who isn't in it? Okay. So you've got Tyler Bertuzzi. You've got Thomas Shabbat. You've got uh, Carter Hart the Philadelphia superstar young kid. You've got Anthony Mantha. You've got Jonathan Marcheseau. You've got Brad Montour. You've got Matt Murray of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You've got Darnell Nurse. You've got Sam Reinhart, the Buffalo Sabres. You've got Matt's, Mark Stone even, sorry. Mark Stone of the Vegas Golden Knights. You've got Dylan Strome. You've got Theodore. You've got Kyle Turris. A couple of others in there as well. Oh yeah, and some guy called John Tavares. Who is going to be playing for Team Canada in the Worlds? So, good luck, Team GB, because you're going to be facing these guys. And uh, me and Matt, who are going to Slovakia to watch this and have got a ticket for the Team GB versus Canada game, have now reined back our expectations and are now just going to cheer if Team GB score a goal. We're not, we, we were going to hope to see a win. Now we've reined that back to, we'd love to see them score a goal. It's going to be incredible, though. You've got Patrick Kane, who is uh, captaining the States. You've got Ovi going to, for Russia. You've got uh, Dreisaitl going for Germany. So we should see Leon Dreisaitl as well, because he's in the Kosic side of the group. Um, and all of these players are going to be playing up against you know, the Team GB guys. Some would say the season is not over. I think they all would. <laughs> I think if you asked every single one of them, I think if you went to John Tavares and said, is your season over? I don't think he'd go, oh, well, the World Championships. 
Um, but it's going to be good fun. And um, I know there's loads of coverage and you can follow it and find the ways of doing it. I can't remember how you do it. I think it's free sports are doing some games and uh, other stuff. But Half a story, Joe. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Google it. That's what the internet's for. Um, <laughs> but search it out. It'll be good. Me and Matt are heading off on Thursday next week and we will do some kind of podcast. So next week will be a normal podcast. We'll fit yep. that in before we go. And in the following week is probably going to be something from there. I don't know how good that's going to be. Well, My final thought, and this is my final thought, and this is how so we So the season the is over and this podcast is almost over. Yeah, this is almost over, yeah. My final thought today is... Uh, it's like Jerry Springer, this. Thank you very much to the Simpsons, right? The Simpsons, who have joined me in my quest to poke fun at the Ottawa Senators. Who are they? You know the Simpsons? No, Ottawa Senators. Who are they? I know. It seems so long ago that we used to talk about them. (laughs) There's this wonderful scene where Lisa's in a hospital bed and she's uh, talking to a Canadian in full stereotypical Canadian attire and he says, for whatever reason, we won't go into the whole story, that she has got to stay in Canada for our own good. But don't worry, we've allocated you a hockey team. And Lisa, in a semi-drugged up state in a hospital bed, says anything but the senators and the guy puts a senator's cap on goes i'm really sorry i thought that is great that has made my week in a week that has been very miserable in my hockey life so ovechkin's out of the stanley cup i'm happy jolon hears more poking at ottawa senators and who knows (laughs) which is just pathetic when you think about it. within a few days brad marchand could be out of the stanley cup too There is hope for us Toronto Maple Leafs fans and we hope there is hope for you, whichever team colours you happen to support. 